about to witness. The awesome. Crushing a might. Of the U. Robinson show kid is sleeping. Stop. Look at that thing to a show that seemingly apparently never ends. I believe this is round number one. Get further here. It's 126. I'm going to change the title. I'm your host, still alive. Still living. Eugene S. Robinson. Talk a little hip hop today. On top of the hip hop. Fake friends, which ties into the hip hop and the continuing 2020 awards, showstopper style. But first, Bob Ryder is going to sing us in, as he has since 2007. Stigmata. Records called Calling of Adjustment. Intro, All of Nothing, still available for me. Taking a real good look at you. I'm taking a real good look at your face. So be all right, so the kid is sleeping. That's why uh, there was no scream, uh, but that's okay. It's, it's, a, it's a delicate calculus about whether to wait till she's awake so I can get the scream. The scream, we got to figure, is really the least important. Could somebody really check to see? I think this is 146. I might have relabeled this as 145. Go on. The, I, can, I guess I can check but then it's a drag for you to watch me check my phone. I hate that look, um, but let's see. I, I think I, I, I will glance at the Twitter thing. Yeah, it's 146. What did I, yeah, oh, I said it. I, I, okay, I, I did say 146. I got my shit together. So, okay, let's let's go through some of the commercials briefly. Um, I didn't load up all of December's uh, 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 takes on Patreon. So Patreon, if you're a Patreon person, it hasn't charged you yet. A, uh, but it's patreon.com slash the stomper or stomperville. Of course, I can never remember which. Pinko95014 at yahoo.com if you want to go direct. Hats off to uh, uh, Tommy LB. Tommy LB, he puts everybody to shame. Him and, and, and uh, Mr. B. Lamb and uh, uh, Raleigh. The, these cats are probably single-handedly making it possible for you to enjoy the show. So hats off to them. Uh, I got I got Venmo, uh, Cash App, all those others. Can't remember the name. DM me if, if you absolutely positively have to send cash that way. And then the other commercial, periodically I do this, is this. Snozzle Winks. You can get it through Merch Table, M-E-R-C-H-T-A-B-L-E. The same people that uh, um, the same people that uh, do the Oxbow merch, uh, uh, of which I'm proud owner. This is one of the blemished ones. It does, it's indistinguishable. But they say if they print up the photo and it deviates in the slightest bit from the photo, they don't want to have to deal with returns. You either got to take a suck on it, trade it in. We just decided to sell it as blemished. I, I defy you to tell me how it's blemished. But uh, there you go. There you go. Uh, Mr. Mr. JW Warriors today, but uh, um, proudly, I'm gonna run, I'm gonna run these pictures. Everybody who wears it, I'm gonna make you an unwitting participant or witting because I ask you to the to the ad campaigns to put you in it. But uh, this is Brooks Snozzlewings. 
And, you know, I'm not really pitching young adult YA stuff on, on this show, with the exception of the fact that this is my sister. My sister did this book. And, um, and uh, she's, uh, I'll just read it to you. Pilar is an animator, cartoonist, and educator that started drawing snarls and winks when she was eight years old. Even at that early age, it became clear she wanted to pursue cartooning and animation. She studied art at the prestigious Fiorello H. LaGuardia High School of Music and Art and the Performing Arts, that's the Fame High School, where she learned to own her passion. She further uh, uh, furthered her animation talent, the Rhode Island School of Design, and went on to get her start doing animation production art on shows as Courage the Cowardly Dog for the Cartoon Network and MTV's Daria. Um, just got her MFA in Visual Narrative at the School of Visual Arts. This is her first graphic novel. So if you're into it, my sister's book, there's a, a happy picture of my sister. Go do it. And I don't mean sister in the casual way. I mean sister as in uh, blood in the veins way. So, um, all right. So let's start off. I know some of you have been DMing uh, John Nash. Like John Nash would tell you the truth about my health issues anyway. But I'm going to briefly go into the one that's got me most fezzed up, right? So now, because in, in a weird way, because of COVID, you know, the hospitals are both overworked and underworked. Like you're terrified to go and see your doctor. So your, your general practitioner is just sitting there kind of like watching the, the, the wind blow by because nobody's coming to see them and they're not working in the emergency room. So, you know, you go in like, like I did for the, for the ass problem. You go in for the ass problem and then they decide to do a bunch of other things for you. And so this is what, you know, they say, oh, all you have to do is go down to the lab. You go down to the lab and we'll take some... Uh, We'll take some just just to see what's going on. So I'm gonna just read you what she wrote. She goes, as you can see, your average sugar test A1C was very mildly elevated, which is called pre-diabetes. This test tells us tells us that your average sugar has been what your average sugar has been for the past three months. So I can't bullshit my way around this. Sorry, you know, as an old Jewish guy which I am, I could, I could go on about my health. I'll try to keep this brief. Um, uh, you don't have diabetes now and most likely never will. But to lower your sugar and prevent future diabetes, please try to lose 10 to 15 pounds gradually. Avoid white rice, white flour, sugary foods, and try to get more minutes of cardio exercise per week as able. The American Diabetes Association website has information about a healthy diet that lowers sugar. It looks like you're planning to return to the lab to check on cholesterol. Since your cholesterol test is not urgent, I recommend the blah, 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 blah. Uh, we're going to check the blood levels. Okay. All right. So now this is on top of the other thing. So now I, got, I, I, I can't eat cake. Uh, I'm 240 because of this intestinal weirdness I've been having. I dropped down to 230. She's saying 15 pounds below that. Yeah, if I was training, I would be, you know, but I'm lifting weights now. So I'm getting more muscle. But, okay, I got to weave back in running every day. Can't eat fucking shit. And it's like jujitsu really is like the picture of Dorian Gray. You know, all people, oh, usually you're so youthful. Yeah, I'm doing six days a week jujitsu. And then plus on top of that, going doing cardio on, on myself. It's not. All I do is sit now. All I do is sit now. Right? It's sitting now. The compacted bowels. I'm sitting. I, I am sitting reading about how sitting kills you. And I'm like, those poor sons of bitches. Those motherfucking eggheads. <laughs> they're going to they're gonna die from sitting. As I sit and it's compacted. And I keep in mind, I'm not eating meat. I just eat fish. And greens, white. I don't, I'm not even taking in that many calories versus what I was doing when I was 265. Watch that documentary on Ronnie Coleman, who was squatting 800 pounds for, for reps and now can't, can barely walk. Okay. All right. So, look, people, just because you're strong and healthy doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be in good health. I got that. But come on. Where, where the fuck is Nick Cave? Nick Cave is another Virgo. Is like two. What is he? He's like, he's, how old is he? He was born in 1957. That cat's five years older than me. He's smoking and drinking and heroin and smoking and drinking. I don't see him. He's probably, I don't see him out there, 58-year-old man, sprinting uphill with a 25-pound vest. This is what I got to do, and I'm still not close enough. Ah, bro. Oh, okay. Yeah, Marty G is here. Let me tell you what happens. 
So I go into the, the fucking, I get the blood test and, 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 and keep in mind, they don't want to take it in the room. You got to go to the lab. The lab is a Petri dish. Of, there's an old guy in the lab. He probably drove there in his, a Mack truck, could barely walk. And I'm like, you got to wait. And I'm kind of like, Jesus, don't fucking touch, don't touch, don't breathe, don't look, you know, and there's this old guy, he's touching everything. And then, you know, a happy Filipino lady, she takes blood. Uh, okay, now my ass is hurting so big that I can't sit up in the chair. So she goes, oh, well, I can crank it down. My husband has to stay by. I don't want to hear it, please. I don't want to hear it. Cranks this fucking thing down. The thing breaks. I go falling back. I reach up. And I'm, grab, I'm touching all kinds of shit, right? So I go for a run this morning. And I'm like, <coughs> that's it. That's it. I'm fucking dead. I got, I, got, I got a headache, and I'm spitting to look at the quality of my sputum to see if it's got yellow, if I'm diseased. I said, now, now I got the fucking Rona. Now I got the fucking Rona. So now I got the compacted bowel. I got the bleeding anus. I got the fucking pre-diabetes. And all of this precipitated because, one, my job is to sit down and write. So Monday, tomorrow, at work, first thing I'm going to ask for is a standing desk. Of course, I do research on standing desks. It turns out, standing all the time gives you, kills you too. You gotta be kidding me. You gotta, so what, what the, I, allergies, no, there was no allergies. And so, you know, so right before the show, I, so I did the run, did the kettleballs. So I gotta come home, play with the kid, you, you, you know, you drink a shake, get some fluids going. And so let me, uh, you know, I haven't taken a poop in two days. Let me see what happened. I got a bunch of, Ass stuff from the, from Safeway. Of course, Safeway. Everybody's you know, yeah, man. Uh, yeah, that means like it's like having going to jujitsu is like having sex with everybody there. I got to I'm gonna come. I'm gonna get that. Well, as we uh, we have to get that, but I'm gonna get that vaccine and then I'll come back. But anyway, so uh, and I'm uh, so I said, how should do this stuff? Are you the toilet bowl full of blood again? So I go the doctor's list and what did she say? <laughs> I'll tell you just what she said after the mildly elevated pre-diabetes thing. She goes, keep in mind, she's talking to me when I'm in there. I can't even see straight. And then she doesn't want to look at my ass. She's like, yeah, you know, I don't really have It's like, you're the fucking doctor. Come on, look, look, you're the one who wanted to do this. I'm not here for, for fun. You know, I, I'm not here for fun. I am not here for fun. Believe me, if I could have you look, do anything other than look at my ass, I would be somewhere doing that now. So she writes me, she goes, I hope that you're feeling this. No pain pills. Fuck you, black man. No pain pills. I don't know what you're going to do with it. I, well, maybe race didn't have anything to do with it, but I hope that you're feeling considerably better. Please let me know if that's not the case. There's a toilet bowl full of blood and fell on the floor after I pooped because it hurt so much. She goes, yeah, it's, it, it's, like, it's, it's like passing glass. Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. So maybe you could help me out with some. I go, I got this ointment. And I go, she says, ah, it doesn't help. So I'm supposed to put a stick in my, between my teeth every time I got a poop? All right. And then she reminded me, okay, this is what uh, Marty G would know, because this happened before. She tells me, no, she, you may recall that you saw me in early January of 2020 after having a similar episode at the end of 2019. Uh, she goes in this whole thing about polyps, bleeding. Uh, 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 then you're gonna have to another, have another colonoscopy. Uh, four weeks, four weeks from now, when I come in for the other blood test and the other shit and the other the lab with old men falling down, breathing all over the fucking place. That's it. So I got to go back. I got to go in for gastroenterology. And, and if they don't call me, I got to call them. She goes, please let me know if you have any questions or concerns at this time and have a good rest of the day. Huh. I, I got an idea. Why don't you pass a bunch of glass through your fucking anus and you tell me how good of a day somebody could have? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, like I said, already 14 minutes in. I don't want to belabor this point. That's, 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 not, that's not why I'm here. I want to talk about... <laughs> yeah, well, that's interesting. Maybe I'm more stationary. Maybe I'm more stationary in the winter. Hmm. But finally, I'm starting to, I finally make the association to sitting. I mean, how many more times does that have to happen? And then, but again, I've been sitting for eight years. Why, why now? Why now? Because death has chosen now 
to exert itself. So th that's not the point. Let's get to the show. This is one. This is a show of one, a four, a six. Uh -huh. And uh, and uh, I want to talk about this Eminem thing. And okay, if you pay attention at the if the shoes fit um, before if the shoes fit, sometimes when uh, it, it's uh, uh, Nate's Kid Nate's turn, he he and uh, John Nash alternate. When it's his turn, right before we do the show, we record for the uh, Hip Hop Evolution, where we analyze this Netflix documentary called The Hip Hop Evolution. Because uh, unbeknownst to many of you, Kid Nate is a big hip hop head. I think he's, you know, he's got like Asperger's on the spectrum about, about both rock and roll music. It's like, I, I'm, you know, I'm not one of those cats. I like music. I like hip hop. I like, it's pretty much corporate music. I do kind of soft soft step on but otherwise generally i like it but i'm not like one of those guys like there's a friend of mine and uh yeah nick nick this is you like i just stay at nick's house in boston and i'm trying like i'm uh, oxbow i played a show and i'm passing out and nick is like oh but do you remember on the soft machine record in 1972 there was a version done by the the, the obscure danish producer and he's like playing and he'll play like 10 seconds of song you could hear right in that second it's like nick just play the whole song so play the whole record not a, i didn't I'm not. I'm not one of those exhaustive audiophiles. I love you, Nick, but I can't listen to music that way, and I don't. But you know, at the same time, I realize actually when we start talking about it, like when I went when I went to see Jimmy Buffett, I got dragged to see Jimmy Buffett, and I was like, Jesus Christ, I got to see Jimmy Buffett, and I real shocked to discover I knew like his entire songbook. How the fuck did that happen? I never in my life have sought out Jimmy Buffett music, and yet I knew all the songs. Not the same one the next night when I had to see the Indigo Girls, but that's another that's another story. And Matthew Sweet, can you believe I emerged from that show intact? Anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. So we do this hip the uh, hip hop evolution. I've tweeted it out. If you want to go, it's just a podcast. By which I mean, there's no. I think the video you get an extra dollar if you pay an extra dollar to if the shoes fit. You actually get the video. I, I, I even dig elevator music, man. I, I, I actually do. I wouldn't go out and buy it. Uh, I tell you, when we went to the Grammys in 2007 and a Brad Paisley played, and I, thought, I felt like Elvis when he shot the TV when Robert Goulet was on. Brad Paisley, perfect hat, perfect guitar, perfect show, perfect song, perfect pitch. Everything was perfect and completely and totally soulless. I don't want to talk shit about Brad Paisley because I, he just did something nice, like paid a bunch of people a bunch of shit. I don't know what he did, but it was good. So anyway, so Eminem, you know, uh, 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 <laughs> yeah, exactly, Robert Quine. And so, uh, so Eminem is like shocked and like, okay, there's this burgeoning beef, and I, I, I don't have, I, don't, I don't have any any patience with beefs between millionaires, multimillionaires. This is this is this is guys who just need higher fences, as far as I'm concerned. You know, uh, my 40 acres, but your 50 acres. I don't like the, you know, what I don't, just I can't I can't be too bothered. But then, you know, he he he. I read a headline that says something like, Eminem explains. I go, oh, he explains. Now, what could what could possibly what could possibly be, ah, goddamn. Hey man, hey hey hey. Mick Jagger said it best, what a drag it is getting. Oh, oh God, sorry. Ah, okay. <laughs> so, a, uh, so he explains, and he was like, okay, so Snoop does this interview. Sorry, man. Snoop does this interview. Ah, ah. Snoop does this interview, and he's like, ah, this is music I, I, you know, I'm not a big fan of such and such, and he names Eminem. And they, and they said mu music music that I could I could live without, and Eminem was like, "What? We're kind of on the same. We're like friends. We're kind of like on the same. You know, I'm I'm nowhere without Dr. Dre. You're nowhere without Dr. Dre. Made us both. What are you suddenly walking across the room to take a shot at me? What the, what what the fuck is that about? Right? What is that about? And he doesn't know. He takes a shot at him, and, and Snoop is like. And I was stupid, like, yeah, you want to come at me, whatever. Now, it, it's either there is Snoop has got more money than God. When you can hang out 
with uh, Martha Stewart and still maintain your street cred? Something's going on. Dude is, at this point, they use words like institution. Dude's an institution. And yet he's taking a shot at Eminem. Eminem says it's a shot. Now, there, there, are a couple of, there are a couple of possibilities as to what's going on. One, it's kayfabe. These guys decide that, you know, let's look at our record sales. Why don't we have an in-house beat? That would be great. And this way we can both publicize our next record. But it doesn't feel that way to me. It doesn't feel like kayfabe. It feels like people, you know, if, if, if you want to, you know, it's like uh, uh, this guy, who's it, Sebastian uh, uh, Mascalco, the comedian. And he's like, yeah, in our family, everybody talks and say everything. So, well, you know, this is an interesting game of telephone, the way my family kind of communicates, because we're all such volatile personalities that if you come to somebody directly with something, you don't know what's going to happen, right? So you say you kind of mention it to one person, and then by bit, by bit, by bit, my mother calls me and says, hey, uh, could you, uh, could, you know, could you tell Pilar to not to do this, this? And, you know, and then Pilar's going to go into doctors recommending something. And I said, Pilar, you know, you actually probably don't need that test. And she was like, oh, okay. And so then it gets back to my, so it, the circle is complete. That's how, that's how we do it. Right? That, that seems to be the MO for, for how we're communicating with each other. So, you know, if I'm M M&M and M and I, you know, I go to Dr. Dre, I go, what's the fucking story? And then he says, oh, you know, he's got a record drop and this would be good for both you guys. But either he did do that and didn't get a, an answer. You know, Dre has got something going on with this horrible divorce he's going through. Uh, and I don't say horrible in that I feel sorry for the guy. I say horrible in that dude made a bunch of bad decisions and now is, is about to go to a bank. But you're, you're a billionaire, so sorry. Pay up. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't like the contretemps. I, don't, I don't, don't, don't like this so much. So, um, but he doesn't do that. Or, or Dre comes up with an inconclusive answer. Or Snoop just, you know, felt like, who knows? So I, I start to think about, well, what, would that, what must it have been like? Now, what must it have been like? Now, and, and, I, and I have had, you know, I'm one of those cats, I'm so deliberative about the shit that I say that it's, I'm not one of those people who often has to apologize because I just popped off and said something I didn't mean, right? I, I, I've talked about cases, there are very few, a few cases uh, with my friend Doug, Doug W. I was getting into an argument with a girlfriend at the gym, and the guy kept kept showing up, interrupting the argument, and finally I flipped out. Dude, why don't you get, get the fuck out of here? Can't you see what Gavin is? And he just left the gym immediately. He was very upset. And I was like, oh, God. And so I had to call him up and say, hey, man, hey, man, you just you caught me at a really bad time. Sorry, sorry, sorry. But the, in, the number of times I have to do that in real life very, very, very few. Think about something before I say it. Say it and think about it. Think about it and then say it. All of that. And no, no. Well, man, what I meant because one, I definitely want to avoid heart-to-heart conversations. Don't want to have them. Don't want to have them. Don't want to have them with women. Don't want to have them with men. Don't want to have them. Period. With anybody. You maintain control of your emotions. You discuss something. Even difficult things, you discuss something, but I don't want to have the heart-to-heart where we kind of dissect dysfunction together. Don't want to do that. That's not the kind of house I like to build. Well, when you did this, it made me feel this way. And I felt this, uh, you know, I, I say I had one, a constructive one. I had a constructive one with my kids recently in the last six months. And they said, do you understand sometimes when you say stuff to us, it sounds rude. And we know that's not your intention, but we just want you to know how it sounds to us. And I said, let's shine a light on what's happening. What's happening is I, you California kids have a New York father. So what sounds rude to your California ears it is me being direct. If I didn't care, I wouldn't say anything. So we kind of understood. That wasn't so much a heart to heart. It was just an establishment of, 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 of places in space. So, so Eminem and, 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 and look, for these guys whose business it is to communicate, they're both communicating very poorly. And I start to think, what constitutes, what con- I mean, because we're on the verge of, of that with the 2021 season in MMA, where a lot of people who have been 
at loggerheads with each other or trying to, with the bald one saying that, nobody wants to see uh, 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 Nick Diaz fight. Based on what he's doing on his Instagram, I don't even think Nick will, okay, you know what? This whole whole friend thing. Now, there's a guy I know, and I've talked about him before, and uh, he's written an article for me about, uh, for Ozzy, about when the feds kick in your doors. And his attitude was always, um, hmm, I'll say something to you, and you say something to me. And if cash changes hands, say, for example, from you to me, and things get confused about who is going to pay what or who said what about who's going to pay, you got to understand that as soon as that cash came out of your wallet, it wasn't a friendly gesture. We weren't under the purview of what friends do at that point. It was business. And business has me stabbing you in the neck 100% of the time because that's the way business works. And I understood that with this guy. And so we have a perfect relationship. I never give him anything. He never asks for anything. Perfect. He realizes that what I'm good with is information. Glad to give him information and glad to give him time. Now, there was one other thing that I've done that, that I've done over the last 30 years that still bugs me with, with horrible regularity. Because it was small-minded and it cuts to the heart of fake friends. Now, you've heard me talk about, about racial politics in California and about specifically like at a place like Stanford in 1981 in the midst of the Reagan revolution or at the beginning of the Reagan revolution you know, that I was going to school with largely a student body with, with, with no class diversity in California who had never spent any social time around a, a Negro before. I only mention this because all of a sudden my dating life, which had been above par for a high school student in New York, given the whole disco era and so in the new wave and the punk rock thing, was suddenly now had screeched to a halt. Like I had my roommate bitterly tell me that you couldn't go out on a date unless you had a car. I go, yeah, yeah, you're crazy. And I tried to go out on a date and realized, look, I need a car. You don't anybody get a car. And so I'm hanging out with a friend of mine, and uh, um, his, his name is Steve. Steve plays guitar and whipping board. And um, we're at some party, you know, do, tro- trolling, trolling for girls. Right? And uh, like this, this Super hot girl comes up, and we weren't competing because we had a completely different demo. Demo, right? I'm six foot one, six foot one point five. At the time, I was probably 175 pounds, lithesome for me, muscled, punk rock guy. Steve was like six foot four, six foot five, 275 pounds, former football player, but you know, muscled. At this point, he had a, like a crew cut. I think I had my head shaved. Completely different demographic. But somehow, both smart, both funny. And uh, it, it's 50-50. In any gaming scenario, it's going to be 50-50. Girl comes up and starts, starts uh, talking. The difference is that, um, that it, at least verbally, you know, I mean, my technique, as it were, was just owned in the clubs of, of, of late 70s New York, I thought I had some game. So I start talking, talking, you know, talking this shit. We're both talking to her. And it becomes increasingly clear that every time I open my mouth to her, I'm getting ushered to the fat guy couch in, in Animal House. Like, you know, I'm busted out with like funny, insightful shit. She's like, huh, yeah, right to the fat guy couch. Where they, I'm sitting there with the guy with the turban and the Jewish guy. That's I keep getting. She keeps, and I I got angry, and I think so. We leave, we, and he's he's not interested in it, which makes it even worse. He's like he's not. And as we're walking, I say, Ah, man, the only reason she, you know, she, the only the only this was shameful. I said, I actually said this to you know, to a friend of mine. I said the only reason she's into you is because you know you got the whole fucking six foot five, two hundred seventy five Aryan blonde hair, blue eye thing. 
And he called me on it right away. And he was like, man, you know, that, I don't think that's it. And if I had a friend who, who, who thought that that was it, I would think that person wasn't my friend. And I was like, oh, my God, he's right. There's nothing to apologize because it was my stupidity in that instance. So I, that wasn't the point of bringing up the story. The point of bringing up the story is I, I got called on it and I took a real good look at my face and realized there's a combination of envy and jealousy and that this man was my fucking friend. And never, ever, it, was, it, it allowed me to look at myself and feel this, the, 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 the gross presence of shame. Because what he essentially was saying is like, you got to get this into control, but we can't be friends. And that's what I discover is the nature of a of, of, of fake friendship. Now, on, on a completely almost parallel uh, track, there's a person uh, who I know, slightly older cat. And at one point, I used to be, um, uh, at one point, it, I had been, what is it the Grateful Dead used to call, call it, a trips doctor, right? So people who hadn't, uh, hadn't taken psychedelics before, you know, they'd come to me and it was about how to, so this cat comes, he's older, comes to me and says, hey, you know, I'd like to, and I was like, ah, nah, no. He goes, what do you mean? No, he goes, your soul is dirty. He goes, oh, now you're getting religious on me? I go, oh, it's not, it's, well, I'm not talking about religion here. What I'm talking about is, is your ability to be honest with yourself. You can bullshit me all you want. Your ability to be honest with yourself is what makes this a good trip. Because all the, the constructs that you've, you've, you've developed over time to prevent yourself from thinking about this difficult shit, once you get on that roller coaster ride, of what I used to call it the dreaded, the LSD in this instance, once you get on that roller coaster ride, you can't, these, these gate, you're, you're busting through, around, under, over, can't avoid it. And I personally didn't want to be the one to hang out with you for 18 hours while you cry about your mother. So, sorry, no. It's not, it doesn't sound like a fun time for me to be your trip's doctor in this instance. But what I was talking about was the base level of, of clarity that you have to have before you, can, you are, are able to be a functioning friend. And you know how I know people who have done that? Because they don't have those moments like I had. Or they have them and they're completely changed afterwards. So I've talked about before how social media is like the most uncomfortable dinner party in the world. Right? You got, you, you got, you know, you, you know, your mother is, who's, who follows me on Twitter? You know, my mother, my ex-wife, my kids, my everything. You know, everybody, you know, it's all, you know, teachers from school, you don't know who's in there. The only place that I gatekeep at this point now is, uh, is uh, what the hell am I gatekeeping? Um, uh, Instagram. Everything else is open. So there's that great line, you know, there's a great line from Do the Right Thing. <laughs> there's a few great lines. There's a, How come everything, everything he tells you to do, you tell me to do? Or actually, it wasn't from, it was from, it was from, uh, 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 as a Wu Tang thing, he was, uh, he's giving him a hard time. <laughs> he's giving him a hard time. Uh, uh, he's giving him a hard time on the, some hip hop song. Just, I, I, I tell you, shit, you can't be telling people the shit that I tell you. So the benefits, the benefits of, of doing doing a show like this is that is that <laughs> you have to be patient. You have to be patient to, 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 yeah, man, exactly. You, ooh, you have to be patient. I'm going to move out the thing a little bit here. Ooh. Ooh. You, you got to be patient. And, and, and if you can't, if you can't wade through 42 minutes of, of me laying down something, you're never going to get to it. So when I am attacked, uh, when, when, I, when I tweet out a picture of me from my first visit to the hospital and I get attacked by a guy who I assumed was a friend and starts referring to a very public forum to stuff that would make people close to me unhappy, you got to understand I got I to gotta 
I got to chop your head off. And I say this all by way of prelude to, to explain why I, I did something that I never, ever do. Kid Nate does it with a drop of a hat. Sorry, I got to move this thing. With a drop of a hat. But I don't. I'm open. It's a big tent. But a guy who I've had drinks with, a guy who I've hung out with, a guy who I put money in his pocket, a guy who I've met face to face, hugged hello and goodbye, put me in a situation where I had to chop his head off. Doesn't make me happy. Doesn't make me happy. Get your shit together. Get your shit together. Shit is too, the, 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 the boat is too delicately balanced to have guys who can't control themselves in the house. I'm going to go back to Kevin Weeks. Right-hand man to, to uh, Jimmy Whitey Bulger. <laughs> yeah, man, I'm sorry. This is a uh, killer. And, and it, he goes, some guy is dealing drugs where he shouldn't be dealing drugs. And they go to pay him a visit. This guy tells me, hey, these guys, we won't listen. We go get in the car. They go over there. Can't Donna Shalala me on my own show. And so they get over there, and the guy's giving him lip. And Kevin pulls out a gun, and he shoots the guy in the leg. He says, I'm telling you, I'll do this. They get in the car, and they drive away. And the guy is freaking out, the guy who told him, the guy who drove over there, the guy who saw him take the gun with him. Oh, man, you shot the guy, you shot the guy, you shot the guy. And much like Wayne Brady and that Dave Bell, Kevin ends up telling the guy, you going to be okay? Yeah, I know. He goes, you going to be okay? Yeah, man, yeah, you shot the guy. He goes, you going to be okay. And the third time the guy heard the intonation, and he was like, oh, yeah, no, no, I'll, I'll be fine. You can't control yourself. You can't give you can't have you around. Can't have you around because I don't know what you're gonna do. Like like my wife once said to me when she was worried about me meeting her her late father. She goes, you know, my father is very unpredictable. She goes, but on the other hand, you are very predictable. Anyway. Anyway. Um, so when I think, when I think about, you know, you got to understand it is much like the guy who got his door kicked in by the feds. Anytime you get these professional situations without, without MMA, none of those relationships happen with the bald one and, and McRapist with the bald one and any of the Diaz's, they don't happen. Oh man, I might have to take a break from the show. <laughs> Uh, I, I got an idea. I got an idea. I got to stand up. How's that? Whew. All right. Sorry. Uh, oh, no, it's frozen now. Uh, yeah, there we go. There we go. It was frozen for a second. I'm just going to stand up and do the rest of the show until I can comfortably sit down again. Sorry, you could deal with it. So anyway, um, let's change the light so you, we're, we're not like the prisoner of Zenda here. Let me see if I can fix that. Um, hey, well, that's as good as it's going to get. Ah, um, so anyway, none of these relationships happen. Let's see. Is that all right? That's all right. None of these relationships happen. They don't. They do not happen. The bald one doesn't know any of these guys. So maybe this guy he's training with, he sees him over the transom. They don't happen. So that means the fact that they're happening means something has happened to make them happen. And that's the world of commerce. Where I'm going to try to stab you in the neck and you're going to try to stab me in the neck. And it's got nothing to do with friendship. Now I got to now I stand up and the plug goes out. So I got to sit back down. Ah, because of course the computer is old enough so that I have no battery life left on it. 
this is this is a, a miracle show to get through. Ah, sorry. <laughs> so at, at least I put the, the pipe down for the cat who's always bugged about the pipe. Yeah. Um, so so when we see these guys, m- you know, moving the deck chairs around on the Titanic, you got to realize that there's no pal. There's no pal. Maybe that's what Eminem should have realized. There's no buddy. There's no pal. Unless I've been over at your house and we've been drinking and hanging out. There's no buddy. There's no pal. The only reason we're talking is because it's business and business is as business does. Because the unintended consequence or, or the very intended consequence of Snoop taking a, 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 a snipe at, at Eminem will be sausages on plates. For both of them. Quake versus Quisp. 49ers versus the Oakland Raiders. Tribal. Tribal instincts. Trump versus Biden. Tribal instincts leaned on heavily for for, for, for fun and profit. A friend of mine went to see the game. Some guy shows up in Miami Dolphins gear to Oakland Stadium, was knocked out in the bathroom, by the urinals and everybody who came to use that bathroom after that urinated on the guy. These are people who under normal circumstances don't urinate on, on other grown men. And yet tribalism got them to think that this was okay. It's fine. That's fine. I understand it for what it is. But when all this year-end roundup with, with the Baldwin saying nobody wants to see the Diaz's, with, you know, the squandering of a Diaz career, you know, um, which, I, I, you know, yeah, both sides were involved in squandering that. Takes two to tango. You know, Rose Namajunas, ah, she doesn't want to fight. She said, look, let me be very clear. That's 100% not what's going on. 100%. That is a complete total lie. Raffenberg in, in, in Georgia having to say, excuse me, Mr. President, that is actually not at all true. I mean, you know, Trump would do, do himself better to paint himself as a philosopher king because that's kind of what he's doing. Could you say, like my, my accountant, Anthony, who has had to flee the country, could you say, Eugene, that you spent $20,000 on wardrobe last year? You could say that. You could. Yes, you could. Eugene, uh, Anthony, with Anthony as his accountant, audited three times. Could you say that you uh, that you spent uh, eighty thousand dollars on uh, communications uh, devices? Yeah, you could say that. You could say anything. Making it true was something else completely different. Completely different. But true is reserved for friends. The reason why we can have a friendship, much like Steve laid it out that night, is because there, there, is no, there is no dirtiness on the soul that I, bring to my, that I bring to the occasion whereby we're communicating with each other. Quite clear. I like you. You like me. We're friends. We don't always have to agree. Don't always have to always have to agree on shit. Not at all. But if you if your soul is dirty and you're car- and you don't deal with it like I dealt with it myself in that moment, and you're carrying it around and you see like like uh, uh, Sebastian Maniscalco has his piece. He goes, you know, Italians are always pricing everything in their head. Yeah, you know what? How much do you think they paid for this? Eh? How much you pay? Which cracks me up. But when you do that rendering for people, it's not it's not that great. Holding on to these these minor resentments about stuff. Look, look. You understand my critique of Steve was ridiculous. Fundamentally, it's a, the only reason she likes you is because of you. We we appreciate people represent representationally. We are what we represent. Yeah, I think so. And it's a thousand, not a hundred. 
It's like him saying to me, oh, the only reason she, she likes you is because you're muscled and, and handsome and, 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 you know, you got good game. And that, that's, you completely correctly represent it. And the reality of it is, you know, some people like pickles, some people like cucumbers. If I could do the show lying down, I would. Ah, yeah. So I, 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 I have to say, I have to say that in business, it's clean. I don't trust anything. I don't have to, do, even if my boss calls and goes, how are you doing? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Oh, man. So sorry. Sorry to make you. If, if you were here, I'd be doing this exact same thing, except I wouldn't be doing it on air. And this is what I was doing in the doctor's office when she was offering me zero help. It's like, well, you know, nothing's going to help. Painkillers are help. Really, painkillers don't kill pain. It's interesting. No, they just make you drowsy. Yeah, I wish I had painkillers. There are painkillers in the house, however. I have been, they've been hidden from me. <laughs> it's been felt that my impulse control is not good enough for me to know the actual location or whatever painkillers that we have in the house. Uh, because it would be, yeah, I got that, but that's not gonna, that's not gonna, because what goes in booze-wise has got to come out the other end. That's not gonna feel good. Yeah, edibles are a possibility. Uh, but I can't, I can't be drowsy. Oh, ah, I can't. This show, this show is falling apart. Uh, however, this, this position finally Actually, does it is is not incredibly painful. But let's go through the awards. Now, the, the awards from last week were, with the exception of David Rodriguez, they were all uh, 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 outward looking. Ever May. I, I want to give I want to give a little I want to give a little little uh, uh, internal recognition. Specifically, like I said at the top of the show, Tommy LB. I get, I get a letter a week from dude. And he's not just talking about what's going on with him and his head. You know, Tommy is helping keeping the show. I'm going to sit up, see if I lose it completely. There we go. The show. Yeah, there we go. The poster. Um, yeah, take a drink. It didn't really fall. It shifted. Fall is when it actually hits me on the head. And also, Tommy got, got me re-addicted to chess. So now I have a routine. Every night before I, I get in the bed, you know, the kid goes to sleep a little bit earlier than I do. We're co-sleeping, right? So let's see, I can't be doing this in the bed when she's there, but I play online chess. And I actually won two or three matches. And then I decided to up-level myself. And, you know, me up-leveling myself in chess, you know what it was like? It was like me going to Abu Dhabi to compete. I up-leveled myself last night and had three games. I think I lost them all in about four moves. You know what it takes to lose a chess game by four moves? And then, and then I tried to get back on the board by fifth game, and I could tell the person looked at the moves I made and was like, I'm out. This guy's an idiot. I'm out. So Tommy LB, who's got me re-addicted to, to chess, because he said he's going to, when COVID breaks, he's going to come out here from Louisiana. He's going to sit and he challenged me to a chess game. So I'm, I'm working on it. I'm working on that. I can't be beaten. Well, I can't be savage for moves. It's ridiculous. Uh, uh, Mr. Ian S., uh, another active contributor to, 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 to the full spectrum of the showstopper glossary who suggested that it, it, the issue is not so much in the Lost Battalion and out of the Lost Battalion, but where in the Lost Battalion you are. I mentioned that last week. Oh. 
Mr. DS for bringing some of that New York flavor. Sometimes you understand, you do understand that he functions as an interpreter for you. Like sometimes I'll say some stuff that I think people on the West Coast are like, what? Yeah, yeah. And, and Mr. Dan is right in there saying, what Eugene said was, and I used to have to do that with, who is that cat uh, uh, came out with the beat Matt Linlin and came out with the Daisy Dukes to torment uh, Matt Linlin, the Brooklyn fighter. And I would actually like at press conferences be in the media with people and he would be talking it's when Strike Force was existing, uh, Phil Baroni and New York badass Phil Baroni and other people in the media row would be like, what? And I would have to say, no, what he said is, have to explain. On Twitter, Mr. Black Lives Matter. I, and I'm not giving everybody's full name because I don't know if you want you to be included. Used to drum for tombs. My man, he's in the in the project that I'm that I'm with called uh, uh, that I'm side project called uh, Empty People. Keeping me honest, straight and true. Asking the hard questions sometimes on the Twitter machine, uh, but paying attention both to the worlds of music and the world of MMA. And there are not many of us who who ride both horses. Because when I tweet out that thing that Gene Simmons said about how rock music is dead, you got to know that Gene Simmons might be an ass, but that is 100% true. 100% true. And I'm not, this is not just a, a subjective taste issue. He does, so, he starts to go into the analytics of it and starts, you know, it starts to talk about, it starts to talk about uh, record sales and numbers. Now, hip hop is not rock and roll. It's, but it's, it's popular edgy music. That's fine. The most, the most consumed music in the world right now is hip-hop. That's fine. But he didn't say hip-hop is dead. He said rock and roll is dead. And I know rock and roll is dead. I used to work at EQ Magazine. And these music instrument manufacturers, you know, these guys, you know, how many people, kids are walking through going, give me a PV stack. Give me a Marshall Head. How often do you think they're buying or selling those? These guys are desperate for sales. So much so that, the, you know, if I crit critiqued being like I did in that microphone issue where I critiqued slightly, called something a, a prosumer mic, the guys want to punch me in the face. It's like, you know how much development went into this microphone? I'll be sitting with these things for two years because of some shit you said. Rock is dead. Or rather, or rather, let's say not say rock is dead because I'm in a rock band, right? Uh, we play with other rock bands. We have friends in rock bands. Let's not say that rock is dead, Mr. Simmons, but let's say that there was a heyday and this is not it. For sure not. For sure not. And I find it interesting that the, the, the so-called heyday is when the musicians were being most aggressively raped for rights, publishing, cash, live shows, aided and abetted by, hey, right, you want some heroin? What do you want, man? What do you want? We had some guy who, who, who uh, I, I couldn't figure out. I had a vibe, had my New York vibe, but not trusting this guy who was hanging out with us for a bit. After the show, he's like, hey, man, can I get you some? Hey, let's hear some shots. Do, do some shots. I go, great. Where's your glass? He goes, no, I don't drink. <laughs> ah. You don't drink, but you want me to drink. Interesting. 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 After that, I start watching that guy like a hawk double up the count. Merchandise every night. He's like, I, I, I'll go get the count. No, Dan, Dan from Oxbow does all the accounting for the band. He'll go with the money. Oh, man. Listen, we're doing you a favor because if you were ever in a position to, dis to have it discovered that you were robbing us while you were with us, it's going to be a very bad time for you because we've left friendship behind as soon as that cash comes out. <laughs> Bell bottoms can make a comeback. But, you know, the thing is, the industry has, has smashed it to dust, Right. There's a whole substrata of things that have to happen 
before rock is going to get exciting or possible again. They're clubs. They're people living in places where kids, where they can rehearse without being fucked. You got a one bedroom apartment, two bedroom apartment. Where you rehearsing? You know, in addition to things that have changed about San Francisco, you know, rehearsal spots leave. And I don't just mean a rehearsal spot where you can make noise for a couple hours a night every other night. But increasingly, it's got to be a place where you can keep your equipment. Which also has to be a place that's not going to get robbed. I mean, there are a lot of things that have to happen to make rock. But I'm okay with rock music dying. If it's not answering a personal need, if somebody doesn't have a personal need to make it, if you don't have a personal need to go see it. I mean, look, there were doo-wop bands up the ass in 1955. Ever see one of those? I mean, live music, you know, right now I got the side project, Boonwell, got a third record out called, uh, about to work, come out called Killers Like Us, or Killers Like Us. And they're like, well, okay, maybe we should plan a tour for the end of 2021. So, I, whatever, you can do whatever you want. That's possible. But I, I don't know. COVID wise, I don't know. It shortened my life significantly before they started having these anti smoking things. You play shows in Germany, I come out with black lung. Uh, Mr. Mr. Brian, not Lamb. The other, uh, Brian C, routinely making me fucking laugh. Doff the cap, doff the cap to, to, to you, sir. Susie Panga won the award for being Susie Panga last week, but Susie Panga is also funny as fuck as well. And something my, my uh, uh, stepfather once said, who is, is still alive, talked to him yesterday or the day before, hanging in there. This is the guy who was married to my mother from the age when I was five to 18. So as close to a father figure as I'm likely to have. And he said, yeah, you know, and one of the things with you as a kid, I realized when you were growing up, you know, there's a bit of insight. You know, who talks to you about you when you're a kid? You know, my mother and I, we have got more pressing current things to talk about. But he's like, yeah, he goes, uh, if somebody was funny, it didn't matter to you. They could, if Hitler had a good sense of humor, he would have been. I say, hey, whoa, 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 it's a little bit. That's that's pushing it a little bit. But generally, yeah, yeah, I've had some some retrograde reprobates that have been friends. But uh, uh, I wrote about one uh, for Ozzy, John John Norman being one of the more significant ones. He's the one who broke into the police paddy wagon. That night, I think I wrote a piece on it for uh, Ozzy called uh, "Triple Triple uh, Triple Blind Date Double Date Jail" or something like that. He was funny as fuck and a straight up criminal. He was a line who was like, you know, uh, um, he 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 says, uh, hey, Eugene, hey man, hey, you, you know anybody you hate? His sentence construction always cracked me up. You know anybody you hate? I mean, said, what do you mean? He goes, man, you let me know when they go on vacation, and I'll cut you in a third. And he was always trying to say, hey, you want to buy a camera? i give you a camera for 50 bucks, but just don't use it. He would tell me the neighborhoods not to use it. I said, no, nah, I don't fucking buy stolen goods. Get the fuck get out of here with that. And as happened to some of the famous, funny people I know, he, of course, killed himself. Sorry to have to do that. It's showstopper style. You should have seen it coming. Who else? There are lots of yous. And this is my way of saying that I actually appreciate that uh, that that you've seen, you know, you've seen you've seen you've seen it fit to, to, to stick with the show this long. And realistically, at this point now, you guys are the only reason I'm doing it. Which sounds like a sick codependency, but it is as it is. Those of you who've managed somehow to 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 have clear moments with me, very clear moments, and and, and the guy whose head I chopped, 
at one point he was getting kind of nutty a few weeks ago and I, I, I put my finger on it and this has come up and we're going to end the show with this. I it was going to come up and I started to, and I started to sniff around it and then he admitted it to me that he was on, on specifically on by which I mean steroids. His behavior patterns, you know, it's like, it, it's like, uh, it, it's like, um, I, I tell you, uh, Scott Kelly and I, Scott Kelly from Neurosis and I were driving across country. We're doing a tour. He's solo guitar. I'm doing spoken word. And we pull into this truck stop in Nebraska. And we both have a, a, enough of a history with narcotics where we, he said, I'm going to go to the bathroom. You pump the gas. I go, I'll pump the gas. You go to the bathroom, whatever. But he goes in, and we're both looking around, and you just, you could, you could just feel it. We could just, we said, we got to get out of here. We got to get out of here. What was going on? It was meth central. Let he who has the eyes to see know. I feel it. I could feel it in the air. People were tweaking the fuck out. It was like, it was like meth party time at the stop and go in Nebraska. These things you can smell. Guy, guy, all of a sudden, guy is doing stuff that's not quite standard and, and it's sort of aggressive. And I know it's not cocaine. I start to think about the steroids thing. And now this thing is burbling up because of this cat Khalil, the Indian comedian guy. And they're like, oh, yeah, look, Chris Pratt loses a bunch of weight for whatever the Guardian, whatever he was in, not Guardians of the Galaxy, but, you know, one of those movies where it's superhero movies. And nobody says anything, but Khalil starts to starts to you know get a little muscle, and people critique. You know, I'm not even, whatever, man. This is not go. You know, it do, it doesn't change the fact. Like I don't like all this exculpatory. You know, I won, didn't I? No, really, I won. I won. I won. Hey, man, how about how about entertaining this? You never polled at more than forty four percent. Everybody showed up to vote. What do you think that means in terms of the numbers? Get the fuck out of here. You know, is there any scenario by which you could imagine uh, Marty G said it once to me at one point when I, before 2016, he goes, you got a 50 50 chance of winning, which also means you got to fit because in the end, there are only two people to vote for. So it's 50 50. If if that, that means you you could win or you could lose. But this kind of this so 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 Khalil is either he's either yeah carrot top was open about it. Carrot top had been had been a cream puff for a long time and finally got sick of it. Came out as gay and was like yeah you know what guess what? I mean the thing that's that's unspoken about about steroids is the, the psychological effect they tend to have. So, yeah, it wasn't just that, look, Dave Chappelle got a lot bigger, too. So did Buster Rhymes. So did Dr. Dre. But their personalities were somewhat consistent. Nobody was able to tell that I was on steroids when I was on steroids outside of the fact that I was 265 pounds because my personality, I was even, I was a happier, I was a sunny disposition guy. There was no roid rage happening with me. I was happy to be alive. Correct. And somebody once said, you know, a guy who's so paranoid, doesn't trust anybody, does so or is that way because he knows nobody in their right mind would trust them. So dude who got his dude who got his head shot was and then he admitted later was, yeah, I started dabbling again with the steroids. It's like, you know, I'm not one of those cats like Scott Kelly got there. We got to the ground. People are tweaking. We got to get out. Been there, done that. Can't have unstable characters around. And that's my watchword for 2021 by way of resolution. It's not a big resolution guy. My resolution is never change. And it's always the same. What it is? Take it easy. That's my. Oh, oh. And the second portion of it is work harder. And I like that those work together and, and create a kind of. Now you can take a drink. Take, create a, a friction. A miserable friction, guaranteeing that 2021 is just going to be like 2020 for me. Ah, except, my God, I need to go back to jujitsu. I need to go back so bad. 
when I got to I got to try to tell people like I, I this reason I need this vaccine now. I'm getting vaccines for everything. I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit. I got I tried to muscle them into giving me a pneumonia one. Get well, you're not as well. Just give it to me. See if I can order one online. Anyway, <laughs> and I got I got I got more. You know, there's JG uh, who's now moving to Atlanta for a little bit of time. You know, I, I got awards for, for all you guys. It's JJ. Ah, 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 yeah. Eh. Oh, that was a good one there. Ah, I got to go. <laughs> Sorry. I'm hoping I'm better this week. Let's let's go through what we got coming up. Tuesday, uh, it's it's Nash's turn on, uh, on uh, If the Shoe Fits, Tuesday night. Uh, Care Don't Care doesn't come back. I think we have, still have another week off. And um, uh, back to work tomorrow. Glad to have the work. Not going to complain about it. Just need to stand it. Uh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Care, care. Well, whatever. You know, it's not good in the character. Uh, he was a funny guy. Yeah, he's probably still funny, but he could break you in two. Less funny, the idea of him breaking you in two. Anyway, this is round number 146. I am your host, Eugene S. Robinson. Uh, I see you soon, and I can't scream because the kid, you know, so I'm just going to get close and go, look what you made me do. Ah. Ah.